Hello, and welcome to Back into Thrones. I'm Joseph. And I'm Michael. And season one is done. It's over. We are finally giving our season one review. We're going through, we're going to go through all these different aspects that we feel. We're going to... And then rate it. Yeah, so we're basically going to find like five different aspects of the show and rank it on a score of like 10 for each of us and then use that to give our like objective view of season one. Yeah. And compare that with the score you've given already. Yeah, because we calculated the scores we gave for each episode, and then we are going to apply that to what we know we're going to rate yeah. these topics. So basically, we're going to have two scores for every season. One's more subjective, based on every episode, and one's more objective, based on the entire season as a whole. Yes, I, I kind of like it. I'm very excited. I feel like this is like very like new to do. We didn't, we, this took us, this has taken us months to do this, so it's like very like... We're getting into it. So I'm going to actually go and list the scores that we have, what we're going to be scoring. We're going to be scoring the opening and closing scene of the show. Yeah, that's its own topic. Yep. Then the next thing will be action. And then we'll be doing the plot. And then character development. And then we're going to end off with aesthetic of the show. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then I guess we'll give our final thoughts and everything. Do we like the score? That we've given. Well, we scored it, so... Well, I mean, like, do we... Because maybe we don't agree with each other and oh, certain things. Like, oh, definitely. We're going to have a conversation. Yes. It's, I'm very excited to get into this. But before we get into it, I want to do a spoiler disclaimer. Yes. Because we're talking about the season one, the whole thing. Yeah. So that's spoiler for entire yeah. season. And we will be comparing with the books and probably with the later seasons as well. Oh, absolutely. So anything from seasons one through eight, again, open to spoilers. Anything in the books from books one, A Game of Thrones, to books five, A Dance of Dragons... And potentially Winds of Winter and a Dream of Spring. Yep. Though, we'll see about that yeah. one. And I don't think we need to give a spoiler for House Dragons. I don't think we're going to be talking no, about that. No, but in this, in this in its own right is a spoiler disclaimer because we're letting you know right now. We don't intend to, but possibly. We slip all the time. I feel like we don't really slip that much. We slip. No, we do. I, I have, we, lately, we've been slipping. I have no nothing to talk about with history, though. Yeah, so we're just going to go right into it. I'll find a way to talk about the tutors, I swear. No, we're, we're going to keep, we're going to stay focused on season one. For Are now. You, yeah. Are you ready, Joseph? Ready as ever. Let's get into Game of Thrones season one. Episode scores. For this section, we're going to go through all the episodes that we've gone Watched over. already. Yeah. And go through the scores that we gave over those times. Yes. Just so we can remind everyone, including myself, because... I forgot my own scores. Oh, yeah, because this was, like, back in February when we started. There's yeah, no although way. I did put them all down in one yeah, sheet. We have, it all, kind of we have it all listed. We have all the math done, so we're going to give yeah, our score. We, yeah, because we add them all up. Yeah. So we're going to start with the pilot episode, Winter is Coming. We're going to start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. All right, so you want to go first with the Winter's yes. Coming? So for Winter's Coming, I scored it a 9 out of 10. Me too. I scored the same thing. For the King's Road, I scored it a 10 out of 10. I scored it a 9 out of 10. Lord Snow, an 8 out of 10. I gave it a 9 out of 10, but actually rethinking that one, I should have given it an 8. Are you going to change it? I'm not going to change it. It's too late now. The but... math is done. The ink is no, dry. No, not even that. It's like, we, that's why I gave it, so I must have felt it was right at the time. <laughs> so, Cripples, Bastards, and Broken Things, what's your score? 10 out of 10. I gave it a 10 out of 10. Wow, we're very good at this. We have very similar scores. Yes, I think this is the first score we had. <laughs> the Lion and the Wolf, I gave it a 9 out of 10. I gave it a 10 out of 10. Oh, I spoke too soon. <laughs> a Golden Crown. 10 out of 10. 9.5 out of 10. 9.5. Yeah. I feel like this is all new information. And I know, it's right? It's not. It's like we've only been doing this for months. <laughs> you win or you die. 10 out of 10. I gave it 10 out of 10. The pointy end, 
9 out of 10 because of the location jumps. I wrote that specifically in my notes that <laughs> I thought to include you it. You had to remind everyone. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Uh, for, for the same reasons, probably. Wait a second. <laughs> what? The Lion and the Wolf, I gave a 9.5 out of 10. How did you mess that up? I don't know. I was looking at the Will that score. affect your overall score? No, it's, I, I have it right here. You said it wrong. I did the, I, the math is already done. So, so reminder, episode 5 is not a 10 out of 10. It's a 9.5 out of 10. Baylor. 10 out of 10. And then Fire and Blood. 10 out of 10. And that's what I gave it to. So what's your overall score? My overall score is a 95.5 out of 100. That's why I realized I made a mistake with the point five because I knew there was a point five somewhere. <laughs> and I was getting awfully close to the end and I didn't see it. I gave it a 95.5. We got the same score. We went down different paths, but somehow we ended up at the same place. Some road lead to the same castle. So, I mean, maybe we don't have to do the rest of the review. We both agree it's a 9.5 out of 5. We'll have to see that. All right. So, so... Our subjective view, our individual, which we both agree on apparently, is 95.5. Wow, who knew we'd fuck that up? (laughs) We had one job to be different, and we have the same score. We we went different in all the other episodes. We just didn't do it. (laughs) That's crazy. You had to give one a 9.5. You had to do I'm not changing it now. No, it's too late. So, 9.5 out of 100. That's pretty good for this. I mean, it's... it's I thought this is the highest... The show will ever get in this uh, in Who this personal score. We'll see because the other things are pretty good. It's a pretty high score to beat, though. I'd be surprised. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, so we'll be moving on to our next section now. Opening and closing scenes. Now that we're in the objective review of the show, I want to make it clear what opening and closing scenes yeah. entail totally. for the review. So the opening scene is the first thing we see in the entire season, like the op- the very beginning of the season slash show. Usually it does come before the theme song, but not every season does that. And the last se- scene is basically the last sequence that can be a bunch of scenes as long as it all courts the same character. And it, like it's what you end off with. Is it kind of like in season five, uh, the opening scene would be covering everything that happens to Cersei because it's all together? I haven't thought about that, but that actually probably will be the case. Okay, so it's kind of like vice versa can be yeah, applied exa- based on exactly. how long the Yeah, as long is. as it's with the same character, we can count it into that opening slash closing. And now, does later events affect this rating? Or is it just what we see? No, because we're we're purely basing it off of the opening and the ending, not based off anything else in the season. Does it do its... Basically, what... Does it do its job? Does the opening build up the season and get you excited to see what's coming next? Is it a hook? Yeah, is it hooking you? And the closing scene is like, does it feel right? Does it make you want more? A hook to the next season. Yeah, a hook to the next season. Like, get you excited. And so with that, we can get right into it. So the opening scene of season one of the entire show are the three rangers going north the wall and basically getting attacked by the White Walkers. Does that do the job for you? In the rest of the season? Yeah, does it get you hooked into the show? It definitely gets me hooked. But the thing is, is that the White Walkers, or the others as they're called in the books, they're not the main issue in the show or the first book or the first season. Yeah. So it kind of gets you excited for something that we don't really come back to in this season until much later, if that means anything. Yes, that's true. But in terms of that, we're only judging off like the like the scene itself. Yeah, but we're asking. We're not. So, it, we're kind of determining if it's a hook, right? So that's a good point. That's a good point. I'll give that. Okay. 
Yeah. So, I'll change my score on that knowledge. No, I don't. No, don't change your score. It's fine. It's not much. But, yeah, that's my opinion, is that it's a great hook, a tremendous one, but the rest of the season is very yeah. different I feel like I've idea. I feel like I've talked about this before with the um, opening scene. It gets you excited for what, what these creatures are, what's happening, what's north of the wall, this is scary. But then it takes you on a different path, and you get into that, and you almost forget about the White yeah. Walkers. And that's not a bad thing at all. No. It's just that it just, it kind of, the hook into the series is not... Why yeah. I'm staying. It's basically like it's a remind. It just it's basically telling you, yes, get into these politics and everything, but there is this larger threat out there that will eventually be discussed in later episodes, exactly. such as episode seven, I think. I think that's where it begins. So I would say I would give that like pretty good. Yes, and then the closing scenes is Daenerys's whole ending, and I think that was. A very good hook into the next season. Yeah, perfect. It gives you some hope. It gives you. It gets you pumped up for the next season. It gives like after watching the chaos of the like Ned's death and everything like that. It's really a good way to keep you watching. And now, it's very good idea to see where Daenerys is going in the next season, and yeah. also see how dragons are going to come into the series from here on yeah. out. Yeah, very good way of hooking us into that. However, I will say I do have one complaint. Yeah, that I didn't. Mention in the last episode where we talked about the episode of Fire and Blood. Yeah. It cuts out the comet. Yes. So, in the books, the Dothraki, when they're burning their dead, they look for the first star in the sky. So, while Daenerys is waiting for that star in the books, they notice a red comet. And Daenerys takes that for a sign and lights the pyre. And then dragons come forth. Had they done that in the show... I think that would have been a, a, an even better hook. Because in the next season, in the first episode, the comet is there for all the characters. So it would have been something that tied everything in further. Yeah. So the, they cut that out. So that's not my favorite thing that they did. But I still think the ending itself was very well done. Yeah. And a good hook in itself. And I agree with that. And I also want to add in that um, they did take out another aspect, too, from the books. How, this is what we talked about last time. Daenerys asked, like, her bodyguards to like become her blood riders yes and they refused but once they saw her with the dragons and unburned that's when they were like you're worthy of following and it was very powerful so it took away from that but the scene itself is still very very powerful and it is one of my favorite scenes in it, the entire series i agree i agree 100 it's definitely one of like my favorite scenes ever so it's definitely one of the best closing scenes yes yeah so that being said we, i'm not applying anything from anything after season no. one so for the both white walkers and daenerys Nothing that happens to them after this is affecting my um, yeah. rating. So, in that knowledge, what did you rank? It? I rated that it a nine out of ten, and I... the reason why is because of what we already discussed. In that, the hook for the opening, it is a good hook, but it doesn't apply to the rest of the season. What's going on? And then again, the comet, the lack of the comet, and as you, the blood riders was a good idea too. That also got applied to this my yeah. decision i gave it a nine out of ten as well wow we're, we're so good at this and i mostly because you convinced me i, I would have given it a 10 out of 10 but you remind me that the white walkers don't really come to play in later in the season and i think you're right the opening scene should reflect like what happens later in the season i mean then again the next scene we do see will like yeah what but, happens to but him. after that goes nowhere the, after that it goes nowhere he does tell ned i've seen the white walkers and they do talk about it in the in the episode but that's really about it until episode 7, I believe, when John discovers the arm. And I think only in episode 8 do they actually 
come with the whites. Yeah, I agree. So, but I didn't take it any points off for the Daenerys stuff because even though we did have our nitpicks, it's still like I said, one of my favorite scenes. So yeah, I'm, that gets full marks. It is one of my favorite scenes, but I am going to say how I think the comet would have been a better addition to the show. Yeah, it would have been better, but it's already pretty good. Yes, and with that, we finished off our first thing. So we'll move on to. Wow, our, that's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, and we're now we're going to move on to our next sequence. Action. So how we're defining action is basically whenever there's fighting or battles and there are major stakes involved, like life or death situations. So there's no, this doesn't apply to training scenes such as with John, Gren, Pip, or Sam, or Arya and Serio. Yeah, they do not count for this. We're talking like major such as Such as Ned versus Jamie. Exactly. death is a very likely result. Yeah. Though not always. Yeah, so I have compiled a list of all the action scenes that happened this season that I can remember at the top of my head. So I'll give that list and we'll give our ranking. We have our opening scene. And then we have, which we talked about, which we don't have to get back into. Yeah, we, we've explained it. We haven't explained it in the sense of action, though. We've explained it whether Basically, it was a good opening. Yeah. So then we have our fight on the high road in episode 5 with Catelyn versus the um, Hill Tribes. Then we have Ned versus Jamie, as you've mentioned. Then we have Tyrion's trial of combat where Bronn fights Sir Vardis. And then we have Ned's coup attempt, which count, which counts Sirius' fight, the slaughter we see, and like obviously the throne room encounter. And Arya's kill? Yes, and Arya's kill. And then we have Jorah versus Quotha, which happens. You forgot one. What I missed. Cal Drogo's one fight Cal scene. Cal Drogo's one fight That's scene. That's a big, a very good one. And oh my god, I'm remembering all the ones you're missing. The Mountain versus the Hound versus Sir Loras. Okay, the Mountain's fight scene. Would the tournament itself count or just no. the fight? Though That's fun. What about Sir Vardis? Not Sir Vardis, Sir, Sir Hugh of the Vale. Because he died. Would that count? That's no, not action, that's death. Okay. <laughs> just death. So, Doesn't apply. Yeah, so Drogo's big fight scene. Then Jorah versus Quotho. And then he. I put these more on the negative side of things. The Battle of the Green Fork or the lack of. And the Battle of the Whispering Wood, or the lack of. Okay. So in that, we have a few great fighting scenes. But Game of Thrones is more known for its battles. Okay. So we have to keep that in mind. So, do you want to go through each scene, or do you want to just... We can briefly cover our opinions on each fight scene so we know where we stand. So the White Walker scene, very good, but not like the books. No, it's not like the books. So in the books... Sir Waymar Royce, who is the first one to die here, in the books, the White Walkers, or the others as they're called, slowly cro- climb out of the woods. Mm-hmm. And they are they look different too, but we actually see what they look like it's in the book. Yeah. But I'll explain that more in season two when we get a better yeah. look at them. And then Sir Waymar Royce takes out a sword and says, dance with me then, and then has a fight scene where he dies. So here just he just got taken out immediately. And there was a lot of running. Yeah. And, like, walkers are running really fast. Yeah. And then a guy is beheaded. Garrett, I think his name is. Yeah, and that's it. So I will say, so on that, great opening scene, very creepy. Not very, like... It's not a great action scene in that sense, but it is very good at heightening fear and suspense. So That was very good. So I wouldn't give that, like, the best of scores. For action. Yeah. So it does not rank the best. Then we have the mountain versus the hound. I think that's a very good scene. Yeah. I think it's very good, but I don't think it's enough. It's very quick. It's two seconds. It's, and it's it, like it's not like it does to, you know. It's better than the one we get in season eight. Yeah. 
well, yeah, it's very, but it's very like just happened. And I think it's good for showing how Robert still has some control, where he says, "Stop this!" And yeah. the mountain does stop, although he stalks away. Yeah, and the actions that we don't, we barely see any action. So I wouldn't, I would give that like I wouldn't give that to the highest score. It wasn't, either. it's not the highest score, but it's certainly pretty cool. Yeah, and then we have the fight on the high road. Yes, this one is a that's is a battle. One of the best ones. Mm-hmm. That that blood, that's death. You know, Tyrion gets involved. It's that's I would give that yeah. one a higher score. Take away a little bit because Catelyn does not kill anyone like she does in the books. Yeah, take away a little bit for that. Then Ned versus Jamie. Very better than the book. I well, don't know. I, the, I was I disagree. I well, think it's I think it's more mixed. The fight, but the personal fight is good is better, but the actual scene itself is not better. Yeah. So. Yeah, so Ned's men actually put up a fight in the books, and it's more on horseback, right? And it's more Ned trying to get back to the Red Keep. Yeah. In, but, in a rate in rain. But this would get points for Ned and Jamie personally fighting. That was, I think that was one of the better fight scenes so in the season. this scene is definitely, so this and the fight in the high road so far will count for, for a good score. Better scores than the other ones. Yeah. Then there's Tyrion's trial by combat. It's good. That's pretty good. It's pretty Blood's good. Blood's drawn. Yeah. Oh, that fall out the moon door makes it pretty good. My complaint though is that why are they fighting inside the keep itself? Yeah. That was my complaint. But you can't beggars can't be choosers. Yep. Though I will be continue to choose. Yeah. Then we have Tyrion's trial by combat. You did that. Oh, one. sorry. I meant Ned's coup. I was like, what were we talking about? Sorry, I read that over. I meant Ned's coup. And I all of that. Very. Good. It's pretty spectacular. That's a very good one. It's very high ranking. Cal Drogo's fight is amazing. Cal Drogo's fright, fright, fight. He was not. Fright, he was not frightened. It's frightening. Yeah, he, that's probably my favorite one in this season. Yeah, I think it's so cool how he doesn't even. It's not even really a fight scene. It's just Cal Drogo cuts a man's throat open, and it's done because he's that great of a warrior. Yeah. Again, the mountain would die in minutes. Yeah. Seconds. And, let's not lie. But I will take off of like a uh, like I would take a little bit off, and not because of the actual fight, because they cut out the battle that came before in the books. They didn't really. The battle was cut out in the book too. Well, there's no. There was no battle. Is what I'm saying. There's no even hint of a battle. Oh yes, that's fine. It, it takes off a little but bit, that was but not a, much. That was because it was a bit. It would be confusing to explain that Dothraki. Yeah, but it, just a little bit, not much. But I still will take that. And then Jorah versus Quotho. That's not the best. It's it's fine for what it is. It just the books again were better. There was more warriors on either side. Yeah. Would now that I'm thinking about it, would you count the scene where John has to defend Sam? No. No. It's it's training. Okay. It's not like he's actually trying to. It's not like. Oh, and then John's fight with the whites. Oh my god. Which is fine. We all forgot that one. That's fine. It's a good one. It's a good one. Why are we forgetting that one? Yeah, pretty good. I would give that one higher score. So so far for positives, we have fighting the high road. Ned versus Jamie, Tyrion's Tribal Combat, Ned's Coup, John, and Cal Drogo. Yeah. But on the negatives, we have the White Walker scene, we have the Mountain scene, and then we have Jorah versus Quotho. And now I'm going to add on to that. As I said, the lack of the Battle of the Green Fork and the lack of the Battle of the Whispering Wood, both of which we see very much in the book. Yes. They cut it out, obviously, because they didn't have a budget One of them it. in the, the, the Green Fork in the books, we actually are part of, where yeah. the Whispering Wood... We only see from Catelyn's perspective. Yeah. And I would take off more points for the Battle of Green Fork because, as you said, it's major for Tyrion's story. And they didn't even make it, like, like flashes of battle and that's it. They literally have, like, give Tyrion a knockout. And that's it. It's yes. pathetic. Yeah, it is. It is. It's probably one of my least favorite things I did this season. Yeah, so... And Game of Thrones is heavily known for the battles. Battle of the Bastards, Battle of the... Now, we can't forget that they do have a very low budget in this. Yeah, so but... It's just... 
how they handled that low budget was not what I think was... The, I don't think it was done well. This isn't a ranking of budget, though. This is a ranking of how I felt watching this. Like, the action yeah, scenes. Yeah, but I'm just saying that even with that in mind, I still would apply this to that because they handled it poorly. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, but it's not like, the, you know, Battle of the Wall, Battle of the Blackwater. Like, there, there are very well-known battles, and this could have been one of them, but it didn't happen. So, what do you rank action? On the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. I rated it a 7. Wow, it's actually pretty high. Pretty high? Yeah. Well, I thought, I applied... The Higher fi- than mine. I applied it with, the mainly with the fight between Jamie and Ned. Mm-hmm. The coup, which I thought was very well done, and our, everything that goes on in that. And then, I now added the Jon Snow thing, because I thought that was pretty good. And then I really thought about the, um, Cal Drogo scene. Because it's my, one of my favorite fights in the entire series, I took two points off for the both for the Whispering Wood and the Green Fork, and then I took an extra point off because how the Green Fork was avoided. Not because they didn't act like it did happen. They well, that Tyrion was involved in it. They just made it that Tyrion missed it all, and I hate that so much. Yeah. So I took an extra point in for that. The other scenes that you said that weren't that great, I didn't really apply that because I thought they're minuscule compared to the fights that I thought were better. Yeah. I was a little more tougher than you. I gave it a 5 out of 10. 5? Five. 5 out of 10, yeah. I mean, I think there were great action scenes like Hal Drogo and Jamie and the trial by combat, but I do think the how they handled the Battle of the Green Fork and the Battle with Springwood was just a little too much over the edge, and knowing what the show's potential could be, I wish we could have seen that. Oh, absolutely. And then, like I said, the other, I did count those other action scenes, like they weren't too great, but like... Well, like, the other scores were high. Like, the other battles were better. Like, you know, were good enough. It was, for me, it was the fights we did see were really well. The fights that they did really well were done really well. Yeah. And then the things that they didn't do well, they didn't do well. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, it's probably the lowest score the season's gonna get. Yeah, probably. It just, the Green Fork, I just really can't get over that. Because even the yeah. Whispering Wood, they Whispering do... Whispering Wood, I can understand. They, not that they, they do show the end result and they see Rob riding out, and I think that was a very well done scene. But the Green Fork, I'm just never going to get over how poorly that was handled for me. A mallet took Tyrion out. Yeah, it's very pathetic. Before he even got there. Mm-mm. They were cheering his name a minute ago. It, it just doesn't sit well with me. Again, just all they have to do is fade up to the trees, hear the clanging of battle and the screams, and then pan back down see the bloodshed that we saw yeah it did summed it up like oh yeah this happened like it's mm, not my favorite and also rob's strategy was a little poor why only send 2,000 men to literally die when yeah, you that's just true. split your force in two yeah and have both yeah it just doesn't come off the doesn't make me feel good it just now it, they it battled but this will definitely go up with the next two seasons yes and of course Kel Drogo was really was kind of the reason why i raised it so high because it is as i said my favorite fight scene in the entire series. Yeah. And I know there are a lot of fight scenes. I'm not talking about battles. I'm just talking about fights. Yeah. And that's it with action, right? We're moving on to our next topic. Plot and direction. What do we mean when we say plot and direction? So what we're talking about is basically, does the plot make sense? Does everything add up? Are the episodes feel very good and orderly? Does it keep, you know, keep close to the books and things like that? Does it work for us as a viewer and as Is fans? the writing good? Is the writing good? And the direction and yeah. subversion of expectations. Of and I, for one, will say, for the most part, this is going to be, this could be a very quick section, honestly, but for the most part, 
season one is very good at that because it follows the books for the most part. It does a good job. It cleans up any messes. There's not there's nothing to look at because it's in terms of like most of the writing. And when I say most, I mean most of it. Like ninety five percent of it is pure gold. But there's still some things I would take out of it. Like Brand had too many vision scenes. I think would have been that it didn't need. Episode three felt a little like you know close you know jumbled up in the wrong way and things like that yeah i was gonna say about episode three was that in that episode half the episode was about ned stark and the other half was about john and i didn't like how that was spliced up the scene yeah i hate i hated that so much and i would also say episode eight too with characters jumping across the map and which is also something that happens in the books like characters move around the only difference is the books gets away with it because you understand that time's passing in a book. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like when a season is good, the bad kind of gets neglected because people kind of forget that season one had yeah, these this, skips. We, we all certainly complain about this in season seven. And yeah, eight. and when a season is bad, the good stuff is the stuff that's forgotten for yeah. the bad. When you what that usually means because there's a lot of bad and you yeah, you know what I mean. It seems like it's just based off our perception, like because like. Like, that's how Game of Thrones is, like, looking at it back from, from a few years after it ended. Like, the good seasons, everything is good, and what's bad gets, like, shined out. Yeah. But when they get, the worst the seasons gets, the good starts getting shined out there. Keep your audience satisfied. Basically, yeah. Otherwise, you're going to find that they're going to nitpick everything. Yeah. Whether rightly or wrongly. Us as fans, we're willing to follow along and do things as long as you make it make sense. But if you're not going to do that, which they very much are guilty of doing later in the other the later in the show we're not going to follow along we're gonna be like why yeah. are the characters jumping and when you really sometimes they really test your beliefs there here it's very easy to be like okay time is passing you can make yeah it. so season one mainly was very good there was a lot of i think the writing was well done the scenes were well handled for the most part direction was very well done in fact episode nine as i as i've said the direction for the last scene in that episode was so good. It's one of my favorite scenes of all time. Yeah, that actually leads me to a question for you. With it, with that comes with the se- section. What is your favorite scene from this ep- season? Well, my s- favorite scene in the entire season, yeah. or in the entire it, it, series, season. Okay, this is for season one. Yeah, it might. I guess when as I rewatch this, might change. But as of right now, the scene has been my favorite for a while, and that's always going to be the Cersei and Robert scene. Okay, yeah, because it's two characters that we don't really. In this book, at least, in the first book, we don't really meet that much, and we don't really see them interact. So it's fun to see how these two bitter rivals and enemies tolerate each other in this court. Yeah. And I do love that. How they're able to have... The only scene where they're both actually really honest with anyone is with themselves, and I find that so fascinating. Because even Robert... Robert, to an extent, trusts Ned, but he never tells him everything. Yeah. I mean, later he in the books, this is true, because he confesses to Ned at one point, I knew that Joffrey w- did attack Arya or whatever it was. Yeah. The butcher's boy. So, you know, and then in the book, in this scene, we just see Robert and Cersei being able to just admit everything. Except, you know, the adultery. They were very real with each yes. other in that scene. They're all that. Nearly at their like, They were so self. used to be playing roles. Like, I'm Cersei. I hate my husband. I hate Robert. Is like, I hate my wife. You know, but for once, like, you know what? We're married. We're just going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation. And we're going to actually be real for once. Of course, it all goes wrong when Cersei has him. When killed. when it, when it's needed, he's dead. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, What about you? 
my favorite scene that's up there. I'm not going to say because you said it. I'm going to say the very last scene. <laughs> I'm going to say it. That is all of the scene with Cersei and Robert, Daenerys and the dragons waking, and Ned's execution are yeah. my top three favorite. Definitely. And yeah, Ned's execution scene is very well done. We'll come back to that a little bit later. And then I'll ask you another question. What was your favorite episode? My favorite episode? Um, I think, ironically, it's a say for my top three. It would, if it, can I do top three? You can do top three. My top three would be episodes five. I'm doing trying to do it in order. Five, ten, and nine. I think those are my top three favorite episodes in the season. Okay, and I agree with you. I'm just going to reverse it. Five, nine, ten. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking about episode nine right now, and that was such a well-done episode for so many reasons. It's like the stakes were high for a lot of our characters. The only way that that episode loses points is Tyrion not going to battle, as we talked about. Yeah, that's kind of why. That's why I put it behind episode ten. I just, I but see, that's the thing. We judge action where it is, and here we're judging plot. So for me, it's like I don't always need that action scene as much as I was complaining about in the last section. Here, it's like that scene with Tyrion and Shay and Bronn. Very real. But my on the writing, though, it was poor writing that excused Tyrion missing the battle. And that's, that's why I added it. Not because we missed the action, but how it was handled, we missed it. Yeah, I understand that. I, I 100% agree with that. I just think, like, and I think the Ned scene just, like, really puts, like, just, it, make, it makes that, like, once again, the, the good outweighs the bad in that episode. Yeah, but I don't want, I judge it equally to what I Yeah, know. totally. So, ultimately, for this, my main problems with the writing and direction were episode three the splicing of scenes so close together that it felt as if half the episode was ned stark central and the other half was john so no central yeah and then as we said too many brand visions i feel that they're of the same thing at one point it becomes redundant yeah it just felt like uh. yeah especially compared to the book version where brand's dreams are different yeah and every time that those brands come on i roll my eyes i'd be like i don't need this and we watch we'd watch these with not like weeks later yeah it wasn't it wasn't wasn't right after the other yeah so it was really it really was wearing us down and then of course the Tyrion missing the battle thing how that was excused yeah i added that too those are some pretty negatives on there and then the we cannot not talk about this next part subversion of expectations that is a major part in a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire. George and, I guess, D&D, they like, <laughs> they like to subvert what we're expecting. They change it. Do, do you think, like, for like for the main scene here is Ned's execution. You yes. think, he, as the hero, the main character... He can't die. He can't die. He's gonna get out of it. And then, boom. And I know some people that the whole scene was happening where they're putting Ned on the ground, they're getting the sword ready. People are like, no, he's getting out of this. He's getting out of this. Meanwhile, no, this is real. This is not... I'm not it's real life, but it's basically, like, real life. Yeah, I mean, the thing that goes to my mind is in the War of the Roses was, I guess I brought up history again, <laughs> is Richard III execu- executing Hastings. Yeah. Who was Edward, his Richard III's brother's, Edward IV's best friend. Yeah. No one saved him, and it was based on a whim. Yeah. There was no trial. It was just done. He, and Anthony Woodville was uncle to the king at the time. Yeah. And as, well, I didn't say Anthony Woodville. I said Hastings. Oh, Hastings. Sorry. I'm thinking of Anthony Woodville. Yeah. But yeah, well, that too. Yeah, I'm thinking of Anthony Woodville. He was like the he was too executed. Sometimes you think you're like Ned Stark was warden of the North. You would never think someone like yeah, that can be executed. 
bringing in the Tudors, we've already talked about Anne Boleyn's execution. Yeah. She thought she was getting out of that too. She was the first queen of I'm England. Sure, I'm sure there were people in that crowd who thought, when is the king's order to spare her going to come? We believe she did. Abs- I, yeah, absolutely. I think everyone kind of had a... a yeah. je- except maybe because, Cromwell. I mean, historically speaking, queens of England have never been executed. Like, no. they've committed treason, they've fought in battles. Well, not in fought battles, but they led armies. Like, you know, Commanded they, armies. They've been rebels, they've done all these things, but none of them have ever been executed. At worst, they'd be imprisoned for life, basically. Not even or for ransomed. Life. Not even for life. But they'd be in prison, ransomed off, and all that. Anne Boleyn was the first one to be executed. Did she, would anyone have ever thought that she actually would be? You know, some a, people might have hoped for it. Yeah, but <laughs> like, has like a Stark or like a, lore, a, a great one of the great lords ever been executed? I'm thinking back in the Targaryen history. I don't think so. I don't think so. Actually, I think. No. Well, no, no. Aerys Targaryen burned Rickard Stark. You're right. A mad Targaryen, but like it was so unprecedented at this time. Not that nobles themselves weren't killed, but none of the great houses, from what I can think of. Yeah. But then again, we have a lot of. A second half to fire and blood. Yeah. Two. And so the other expectation, subversion expectations is Viserys' death as well. Not yes. that it was too much subversion looking back on it, but... It, it was um, a surprise. It was a surprise that he would die when he did. It was one of those where was, you didn't see it coming, but then you realized that you should have seen it coming because yeah. Viserys is stupid. Exactly. And then Robert's death too. Yes. So what's your question? So my question is, does it work? Like, does it make sense? Does it feel like so, it was properly built on? And does it have a real effect on the story? So are you kind of asking, for this season, does this, does the subversion of expectations feel right? As if, was, when looking back at it, you can kind of see the hints? Yeah, and was it well written? Did, did, were, you, were you watching, like, maybe, like you, didn't, like, you didn't like Ned Stark's execution, but you were like, at least it was handled well. You com- and you're comparing this to later seasons with subversions of expectations that were done differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think they were handled well. I agree. Season one, everything's handled well. <laughs> well, we've already discussed what wasn't well, handled well. You know what I'm saying, but for the most part, like, it's hard to find things, and certainly Subversion Expectations was not one of those things. It was, if anything, it was what made the show great at the time. It was what made the show, it yes. Put, it put it on the map for a lot of people. Yeah, and I would say the best one handled was Ned Stark's execution, because really looking back at the show in the earlier episodes, you can really tell the mistakes Ned made, the choice that he made that led him to this yeah. point. Yeah. And the same thing with Viserys, because Viserys did the same thing where he kept making mistakes. Yeah. Rob Baratheon, I think it was a little hard to point because his death wasn't anything that he did personally. It was more what Ned did. So I guess it was earned for Ned Stark's own character. Yeah, it, was, it, it made sense for the story. Yeah. It had to happen, and it was well done. And everything that followed was... It, it's the whole catalyst of the story. It's what starts the War of the Five Kings. Yeah. So It matters. So for this season, subversion of expectations works. It very much works. So, and I would say, overall, season one, very good. For the little nitpicks that we've had, season one is perfect, and mostly because it follows the books. You know, there's not any plot holes. I mean, we did address one plot hole way back when we were talking about episode six with the incest. Like but we've kind of, but we've already addressed. We patched that. it, kind of. We've patched it. It's not a plot hole. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to hear that, go back to episode when we talk about episode six. I believe it's like I believe that's when we talked about it. Because yeah. we dress that plot hole. There's not really a lot of that plot holes. In the st- it, they overall did a very good job, and that's what happens when you stick to the story. Yeah. As they will not do eventually. Yeah. So, what is the rating? I gave it a full score of 10 out of 10. You gave it a 10 out of 10? I gave it a 10 out of 10. Okay. I gave it a 9.5. Okay. Because I did have to take points off for the things that I thought 
were problematic because if they were in another season, I would have taken points off. They Say, if stuff like this happened in season seven, I would have had to take points off for the poor direction. Fair enough. I'll give it a 9.8. 9.8. 9.8. I'm going real random now. Okay. All right. I can't wait to see how that adds up. It'll be, an, it'll be a decimal. <laughs> well, it's, mine made it a decimal. Yours made it a harder decimal to calculate. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So now that we've done the plot, we're going to move on to our fourth section. Character development. What this section is going to be is basically exactly what it is. We're going to go through a bunch of characters that we've been analyzing over these last few months and then discuss, like, did it, did, did it feel right? Did their stories did, work? Yeah, did they make it to an area that we think makes sense? Did, they, did their character earn that? This very much coincides with plot, too, because our, the story is a very much a character-driven story. Yeah, or at least sociologically character-driven. Yeah, and we talked about a lot of people during yeah. the season specifically. So we're not going to be talking about every character we've discussed throughout the season. We'd be here forever. Yeah, but we did... So I did write down all the characters that we wrote about in our notes and talked about. Yeah. Just more. so we can acknowledge the fact that we've discussed them. So of the dead characters, we've discussed three. I'm not including the prologue with the Night's Watch guys because they went out really fast and didn't really have any character yeah. development. Other than Will, and I'm not really... And real quick, by what we mean by our focus is basically when we were watching the episode and, like, there was a scene very much from that character's point of view. Yeah, so, like, or we at least we're not, part of it. So, we're not Ken Keldrogo in our no. dead character list. Well, no, I... Yeah, I, I... When I write the scenes down for the notes, I write specific, specifically who are the main important ones that... Yeah. Yeah. So, of the dead characters, there were three. Ned Stark, Robert, Robert Baratheon, and Viserys Targaryen. I ba- I ordered it based on the importance of the character. So yeah. since based on the dead characters, obviously the most important is Ned Stark. The least would be Viserys, and I think the middle yep. is Robert. So now for the living characters, I did the same thing. So you did by how many episodes they were in? How for the most part, but also based on based on that who is important. Yeah. So Daenerys Targaryen, Tyrion Lannister, Catelyn Stark, Jon Snow, Arya Stark, Sansa Stark. Bran Stark, a lot of Starks, Rob Stark, very Stark-oriented show, <laughs> Cersei Lannister, we got somewhere else, Jamie Lannister, Sam Tarly, Theon Greyjoy, Jorah Mormont, Littlefinger, Varys, Renly Baratheon, Loras Tyrell, Tywin Lannister, Pycelle, and Osha. So, we're not obviously going to talk about all of them because they no all way. just different levels of importance and character development to earn you know like for example osha she's in one scene where i thought she was important to note yep and then she becomes more important in later seasons but as of right now she had one really important scene yeah and basically we're just gonna focus on those with their, like the main characters like so the really fo- important we're going characters. to be talking about all the dead characters that we've written yeah, about have to mainly because i think it would be interesting to discuss how their story went full development because this was a whole character arc yeah. in one season versus the living characters who were, who have more seasons to go. Yeah. So of the living, we're going to be talking about Daenerys, Tyrion, Catelyn, Jon, Arya, Sansa, Bran, Cersei, and Theon. And Jamie too. And Jamie too. You added Jamie. I added Jamie. Okay. So Jamie too. So do you want to start with the living or the dead characters? Let's start with the living characters. Okay. Because then we'll, we'll give a farewell to our dead characters. 
good point. I don't know if we're going to talk that long about them. No, but we'll be here forever. Yeah. So for the yeah, we li- did we did enough yeah. of that already. Yeah. So for the living characters, we're basically going to be talking about since they're going to be going on until later seasons, their character arc is still going. Yeah. So we're only, what we're looking for is to see how their character built up to where their characters are going yeah. in the series, not where they ended. Although ending will be important for the season two. Basically, where they started and where they ended the season, and wh- and how that adds to where they're going. And did you like their storyline? Okay. Because, I mean, this won't, like I said, for season one, it's really not that complicated of a conversation, but it will get complicated as we go further yeah. into the show. So, Daenerys. Okay, what do you think? A great. Stuck, like, once again, stuck to the books for the most part. It was very good seeing her start off as, like, this young girl being abused by her brother who felt she had no place in the world, who only wanted to find home, to becoming a leader and becoming someone who has influence and power and, so, and gets so close but falls... But then just before she hits the ground, she rises right back up like a phoenix from the ashes. Only with the dragon. Only with the dragon. Yeah, so, and based on where she ended, do you think it's good where it ended for where she's going? Yeah. Okay. Yes, it's very, it's, it was a very, it's a very good point to end for her. It's, it's a conclusion, it's like, where does she go now? She has these three dragons, but she still has much to do before she can get to Westeros and achieve the goal. Yes. I also noted how... They kind of build up to the to Daenerys' season three arc here with her disgust with slavery and the abuse of people. Yeah. So we definitely see Daenerys' character turning into the character we know later who wants the freedom of people and to help people not pillage and hurt them. Yeah. Which I guess considering where season eight goes is not right. But at the same time, for where the majority of her character goes, it's a very good character arc to that point. Yes, I agree. So for her, good. Thumbs up. Yes. Tyrion Lannister. Very well done for the, yeah, much the same. Like, he kind of, he started out as a guy who, like, I mean, I'll say this. I had issues with the with how they didn't stick to the books. It's the first time seeing him being with a bunch of, like, um, sex workers. And then, but then they go right into, like, like, and then they have, like, him sleeping in the pigsty. Which, again, I've complained about. Yeah, which is, like. They, they very much, in the beginning, wanted to make him look like a drunk. Which, yeah. Again, is part of Tyrion's character, but they really overdid it. Yeah, because the books we hear about him being like that, and the first time we see him, he's reading a book. Or at least in his perspective. Yeah, first time in his perspective we see him reading a book. In a library. So it very much works yeah. for me. The show prizes... In the books. The show prizes his drunken comedy, kind of. Yeah. The books prize his intelligence. It shows what they like most about Tyrion. Yeah. Drunk drunk and wits. Yeah. And by season's end, he's being sent to rule a kingdom. Yeah. In his father's After name. going all over the map. Yeah, going from basically being, throughout the season, he was in the, um, I don't know the word for it, but the passenger seat. That's the word. Yeah, I would say very, I would also say very much that Tyrion start out the story. As soon as he's like, leave me out of the game. I'll, I'll go visit the wall while politics happens. I'll go gallivanting around Westeros and do what I want. Well, gallivanting... Not literally. Versus kidnapping? No, no. And then... Oh. Get, and then he gets kidnapped by Catelyn, and he's literally pulled into the Game of Thrones. Yes. And now he's he's yeah. a pawn, a player. I'm not sure yet. Well, the end of the season, it looks very much as if Tywin is making him a player. Or it may very well be that he's Tywin's pawn without knowing it. Or I would say Tywin wants him to be his pawn, but Tyrion wants to break away from that. And we see that with him bringing Shay into the picture. Yes. So for where Tyrion's character is going, do you think it was a good ending? Yes. Considering that he's going to continue to rebel against his house, 
all the way to the yeah. point of supporting Daenerys. It very much sets up his dynamic with his family and how he doesn't get along with them. And, and how he do- and he wants to be his own player. But it's about his struggle with actually confronting that desire to get away. Because we end with him being like, Shay, I'm going to take you. You can teach the lady something. But we know in the next season, that's not going to be the case. Yeah. Very good as well. Very good thumbs up for him. Catelyn Stark. Catelyn. Starts out as like the loving mother. And wife. And wife. To Stark. Yeah. Basically of like the perfect family. Basically she's the perfect role model for a noble lady in the Middle Ages. Yeah. And now she gets involved in the game. Kind of tricked in certain ways. Like Tyrion dragged into the game against technically her own will. Not knowing. Thinking she's doing the right thing and starting a whole war. And this is the beginning of her losing everything. Mm-hmm. And it, the story ends with, with Rob being declared king of the north. But and then she visits Jamie and learns that it wasn't all for nothing. Like there was actually something. There. But then it also has something that I think we should note is that Catalan is very much into fighting a war. Yes, that's a very big thing that mm-hmm. I think we have to note. Yeah. So. Yeah, because Catalan the books is very much at this point done. Yes. So. This one I'm a bit iffy on, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Because where this show goes, Catelyn never really loses this passion for fighting the Lannisters. Apparently, it goes all the way to the last episode she's in. Yeah. So, I don't, I'm not a fan of how that deviates from the book version where Catelyn wants the war to end. The reason why she frees Jamie is both for her daughters and as a sign of peace. Yeah. So, I feel like having Catelyn be so into war is, in a way, a problem for that character arc. I agree. Which they do kind of ignore, but it doesn't explain why, you know? Yeah. So I would say, for the most part, it's done well, considering that now she's the mother of the king and has to deal with that. They built up to that well. Yeah. But I'd still think that it's a problem that they are changing Catelyn's character here. Yeah, I agree. I would give her, like, a quarter of a thumb... Thumbs up, you mean? Yeah, like, not all the way up, but, like, yeah, we've been, not down. You haven't been able to see it, but we've been, whenever we keep saying which if it was good or bad, we raise the thing thumb like up. Like Roman emperors right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm more, like... Catalan's is slightly up, but everyone else that we've talked about is up. Yeah. So she's, like, she's like in between, like, midway and up. Yes. You know, not not off for the worst, but yeah. a little cautious. Yeah. So for John, we see him starting off as being... He's, how he sees himself as the poor bastard who grew up in a castle and was mistreated by everyone. but he, And then it slowly revealed that it's actually was, really privilege that he, he was, lived with. He was victimizing himself. Yes. And then he notices how there are people who got it way worse than him. And that's when he begins the struggle of working against that and trying to be a help to others. Yeah. While also struggling with the privilege of his own identity. And at the same time dealing with the fact that his family is playing their own Game of Thrones that he can't help in. Yeah. And the season ends for John having to make the decision between the privileged life of a noble and also fighting for his fa- for his family or being a man of the Night's Watch and jo- and going on this journey. And not just that like like family or duty. Yeah. Like and he chooses which yeah. Again is a major theme for John throughout the entire series yeah, all the way up to the end whether we like it or not. Yeah. So ultimately I think Good build up to that. Yeah, and I, I'm not. I'm gonna go off and thing. And for once, I think the show actually did a better job with John here. What do you mean? I liked. I think they got the message across more that John was privileged than the books did, in my opinion. For season one, maybe. But well, right here, I'm talking. About. Oh, what, what do you mean? Like only. I'm only talking the lens of season one. 
Yeah. So as of right, what I'm seeing from these episodes, I'm getting more of a sense of John having the struggle of being like, I'm better, but I'm but I'm a bastard, so I get victimized. And be like, no, 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 it's yeah. not that. And personally, seeing him say, I'm ready to go north with Benjamin Stark, even though he just got to the wall and hasn't done anything to earn that. Yeah. One flaw I have though is him getting made steward to the Lord Commander. Because it's not based off anything other than his status. Whereas in the books, it was a reason. There was a reason behind that. Yeah, so I will say ultimately a little higher thumbs up than Catelyn, but not as great as Tyrion or Daenerys for me. I'm going to give him a full thumbs up. Well, just because of that reason you gave that they cut out a very important scene is the reason why I hesitate. Yeah, Because, again, it does deviate. It does a little bit, but for the, like, I just like, I think they got a better handle of John than George did here. Which is weird to say, but I feel like they did. All right, uh... I guess I understand, but... You don't have to agree, it's fine. Okay. I, I just have my own opinion. Good. No, no, there's there's no need for agreement here. We're, we'll be agreeing much... We'll be disagreeing much about John later on, for different reasons. We'll probably reverse next season, so it's fine. And then Arya. Arya is one of the lesser important characters in the season. Yeah. Because so her story really... It's really kind of her... St- this season's really the build-up to her becoming an important character. Yeah, it's very much like... She starts off as like being the tomboy and like the like kind of like the outcast of the family, and then it ends with her being like like losing like the beginning of her process of losing things. Yeah, and basically, it really is more of I almost want to say it's the pre-character arc more than the character arc yeah. itself. It's building up to the fact that she's going to be an important character. Yeah, like I feel like there's not really much of a characterization here other than her losing things and getting like sad. So it it did. Know? So I'll say it did well in doing that. Thumbs up for that. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, it was mostly to the books. There's not too much to say about Arya. So I, I'll give it a thumbs up, too. And then, I feel like, interestingly, Sansa was actually more important than Arya. Yeah, but I feel like Arya got more scenes. If I think can think of the top of my head. You might be right. I just think Arya in this season was more reacting to events of other characters, where Sansa was more involved with her own story. Yeah. So, Sansa's very much. It starts with her being, like, this young, naive girl... Who just wants to be the queen and a princess and have all those honors, like you know, like your per- like you know, like your stere- your archetypical, like you know, maiden character in the story, and then it becomes, and then it goes to that dream being crushed through her father's beheading. Yeah, and then being the plaything of Joffrey, yeah. the king. It's the begin. It, she's woken. Like, not that she's woken up to what it is, but she's definitely been like smacked out. She's of dream. she's realizing the harsh realities of the world. Yeah. So it's a good build to Sansa having to deal with the fact that. Life is not a song, as Littlefinger the books tells her. Yeah, it's it's a beginning of a brutal process that will continue for many, 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 many seasons. Yeah, so thumbs up for me. Thumbs up for me, too. Bran. Ugh. <sighs> thumbs down. Moving no, on. No, we gotta talk. I'm gonna give him a mid-thumb, a halfway thumb, and that's because, like, I wasn't too in, enjoy. I didn't really enjoy his story. I think it stayed close to the books, but I didn't necessarily enjoy his part in book one specifically. So I'm not gonna like. I'm gonna say that they they failed Bran in this season for me because they at the end of the season they decided that they were going to be starting a building to the Bran's like prophetic and yeah. green seer self, but most of the season they wasted that on. Ned Stark's execution and the foreshadow to Ned's death. Yeah. So per and the red wedding too, because he said no, they won't rick on. Yeah. So ultimately, I feel like the building up here was more building up to foreshadowing things and not to Bran's character. This certainly speaks to D and D's um 
means of being we wanted to turn away from magic and more toward and they're more what we can tell is they like the shock value of game of thrones yeah you know they that ned stark yeah know, they, so the red wedding that's their main so focus. it does in a way build to brand's character as green seer and stuff but not really so i'm gonna give him a thumbs down i'm gonna go midway because it's for me it's still stuck to the books but that was my issue at the same time like so i'm it gonna didn't... i'll give credit where credit's due with sticking to george Martin's material for the most part not with the magic well they cut out a lot of brand's story in this season for that reason so, I, I'm, I think it's I mean, the, they cut out the whole Children of the Forest thing that they really could have helped to build up. Yeah, I, I, I see that, but I'm not going to give it a thumbs down because I do think, even though they cut out that Children of the Forest story, it does stay pretty loyal. For, you know, besides, like, just thinking at the magic, the story is pretty much And the also, same. it cuts out most of the White Walker story with the last hero, which they, they really only are building up to in that scene. They're building up to the threat of the White Walkers, and they... It seems like in this season, they d- didn't even know if they were going to even have the Children of the Forest. So for me, it felt as, as if they didn't know officially if Bram was going to have that character arc at all. That's a good point. I mean, I don't think so. I think they knew the direction the, sh- the story was going at this point in terms of the books and where... Yeah, I mean, just the... Edit- uh, actually, no, they didn't because at this point, book five wasn't out and they wouldn't have known about the children. No, so it seems as if they didn't think it was important and then they realized, oh, it's important after all. Yeah, so I'll give that... The book wasn't out yet, so I'm not going to blame them for not including something they didn't realize was going to be they so. have ta- shouldn't, they, shouldn't they have asked George Martin if that's, like, what was important? Well, I mean, I think sometimes a lot of... In TV shows, exposition scenes, like such as the one about, like, talking about the Children of the Forest, are cut because there's no need just to, like, have, like, someone go on a long monologue about things. It's more... That works more for books and stuff. It doesn't really work so much for television. So I do give them the benefit of the doubt with this one and say it wasn't so much they wanted to cut it out. It was more like... It was more like that's how TV works. Yeah, but at the same time, we know that they didn't like the magic element, so I could say that well, they yeah, kept that Well, yeah, but that's out. where I take why I get mad about the visions that they give. I don't get mad about exposition about Children of the Forest because that's, television does that all the time. If you read any fantasy book, there's these long exposition scenes, you know, talking about that, and then, like, they cut it out of the book, and the show, or movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, gonna, how it goes. I'm just gonna remain with my thumbs down, yeah. which is ironic, because I actually thought I was gonna not do that, but and it has nothing to do with my dislike of the character, just the fact I don't think that his character arc is going in the right way yeah to where it will lead yeah and it's a matter of whether they save it on the next seasons yeah exactly so and then we get to cersei lannister who starts off as the queen of the seven kingdoms in a in a trapped in a marriage that neither party likes yeah but and how she's using her influence to get her son on the throne yeah and playing the game of thrones and also committing adultery and incest yeah and at the end of the season we see how Cersei was building up to being this great threat of power, only to realize that she's not even really in full control because, again, Joffrey takes that away from her. Potentially yeah. Littlefinger, too. So close to power. Yes. Yes, so far. Cersei's, the character arc of Cersei desiring power but always failing to grasp it fully is a character arc I think is very yeah, well done. her failing to see the future and, like, the consequences of her actions very much. And also the showrunners, considering that in season six stuff happens that really, in hindsight doesn't work out but we'll talk about that when we get there yeah thumbs up for me thumbs up for me always i mean there's not much there's not many cersei scenes in season one there's a lot but, more than in season eight but each one yeah apparently but each one is very good at getting her as a character and setting her up as like a villain and then her twin and slash lover jamie jamie lannister i mean there's not much to him but i did get i did like seeing how dark he was but i'm very much in that tywin jamie scene yeah that and that catalan 
Jamie C. Yeah. Very much gives him as a character as being complex and not as bad as people like to say he is. It's the beginning of that yeah. for me. Unlike Cersei, who I think was actually more of an important character this season, Jamie, like Arya, seems to fit into the pre-character arc. Yeah. Thing. Where yeah. She, he's not, it's not fully his story yet, cause we, but we're getting hints that there's more to this character and we're going to need to look out for him. I agree. So, thumbs up for me on that. Thumbs up for me as well. And then Theon, I very much think they did a lot better than the books. Yeah, I would put him again in the same car- category as Arya and Jamie, where building up to where Theon's going. In the but I, I think they did better than George in, like, oh, yeah. in setting up what he's going to be. Whereas yeah. George, it kind of just happens here. It's like, you very much get these reminders of, you're not one of us, you're not a Stark, you're this, you're lovely. And you, we can I'm, kill you at any moment. And I'm really getting the sense of, like, I can understand why he didn't ever feel at home here. So I'm going to give him a thumbs up. I give him a thumbs up too. Let's transition to the dead characters. Yes. So now we're looking to just see a full character arc, not building to one or continuing one, just a character arc fully. Yeah. So I want to start with the least important of the three. The Ceres. Yeah, only because I feel like Ned Stark and is the big one. And he's like the first like villain to die. Yes, he's the first main character to die. Yeah. And let me just say, it was a wonderful scene. Actually, it's probably my top four. Yeah, one, definitely. So, for Viserys, we see him start off as an exiled, abuser, beggar king. Yeah. And we see him die an exiled, abusive, beggar king. So his who's kid, r- he didn't really yeah. do much. But mm. he had his impact on the story and forever on Daenerys. Yeah. And we very much got why he fell. Yes. He refused... To yes. comply. So he fits more with Daenerys' character arc of growing than yeah. he, But at the same time, the show did not neglect his own character arc. And yeah. that was his own ignorance and stupidity of the Dothraki culture. Yeah. Since the beginning. Yeah. As he says, these savages. Yeah. Constantly. And I would also like to say they did some things better than George here with him too. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, that and the actor Harry Lloyd just does a phenomenal oh, yeah. job. Oh, yeah, showing scenes where he's teaching, like, Daria, like, things. Like, you get a sense of, like, how he's a teacher. Like, how he knows things. Yeah, and you also can see, kind of get sympathy from him in that one scene where he's talking yeah. about how he needs an army. He Since he was a child, he's been stuck in this position of the rightful Targaryen heir, the last descendant. 300 he, years of my family all yeah. depend on me. Not the last descendant of Aegon the Conqueror because Robert Baratheon is also no. related. But I, that's what I was said. dynasty. I'm, I'm just, but like, it's very much of like why he is the way he is. Not that it makes him right, but you get a sense of like You can understand he where he's coming from. Yeah. If if still hate him. And I think a lot of people say use the word entitled for him. And I think even George R. Martin has used that word. But I agree with Preston Jacobs where it's like the beggar king entitled like I think I guess he's entitled in the sense that he thinks he is rightfully owed the throne. But at the same time, I don't think that's necessarily true. Yeah. Because, because if he would thought he was rightfully... In, I mean, he definitely thinks he's rightfully owed the throne, but he's not just going to go there and say, give it to me. That's what an entitled person yeah. would do. What he, what's entitled about him is that he thinks everything's due to him. But not like this idea like he deserves... Like he, like he thinks the, the, with the Dothraki, he just, he deserves, yeah. he just earns... You know, he doesn't have to earn it. But even then, I would take that more as just ignorance of the culture. Yeah, I but agree. speaking of the entitlement of Viserys, he... There's many things you can say about Viserys Targaryen, but I feel like one thing you cannot say is that he did not... It's not as if he didn't fight for the throne. Does that make sense? Yeah. He certainly put up... It might have been a, like a embarrassing fight, but he certainly put up a fight to maintain his right to it. Yeah. 
It's not as if he just sat around expecting it to be given to him. I think that shows that he's not as entitled as others see him as. Yeah. Because he negotiated. He made alliances, however ignorant he was of the terms. Yeah. He did let uh, he did get others to work with him. He did manage to do a few things. In fact, in the books, he went, he went to the gold clo- the gold cloaks, the golden company, yeah, and made a plea for their help. So that's not something that entitled people do. He definitely saw himself as needing to get their help and yeah. needing to earn it, and he failed. Yeah, and that's what turned him more bitter was that he was failing to get help. Yeah, and, but he, yeah. yeah, in a way, it's like tragically he died, but he deserved one hundred percent. Yeah, like it's like it's like he had so much that he wanted to do. But it's like, you don't feel bad for him because he's no. an asshole. Yeah, and the major thing that we that his character arc was was refusing to understand the Dothraki culture, which is the thing that eventually kills him. Yeah. And, of course, we already talked about Daenerys kind of going be above that with him and understanding the culture, but even she has some m- misunderstandings, such as, my son will inherit after. Yeah. Which we know is not true. I agree, yep. So, what do we give him? I give him a thumbs up. I actually... I think he got a better score than the book version because the book version is more wow. just in addition to Daenerys' rise to power. Viserys and Theon too are perfect examples of that. When you, it's not sometimes when you deviate from the books, you can do better. Speaking of that, I think Robert Baratheon also fits that. Yes, because we see him in the opening of the series as a drunk king on the throne that he doesn't want, and he ends up dying a drunk king on a throne he doesn't want. Yeah, so he's. Like, I guess the kind of idea is that he's kind of a static character. Yeah. But at the same time, we see how his l- character arc is more with, I would say, fitting with the Targaryens, actually. In the sense that Robert, from the very beginning, from the moment we, not the moment we meet him, but in the first episode, the first thing, one of the first things he's talking about is killing Targaryens. So from that episode, we know how he feels with the Targaryens. We know he wants them dead. Hates them more than just because... They were enemies to his throne. He hates them because of what Rhaegar did. Yeah, he hates two, like, children. children yes. For the crimes of their, like, dead brother. And it spans until his death. And, and I th- let's not forget, Ned Stark, his his father and brother, were literally murdered at the hands of Targaryens. And he his sister was, ale- like, well, I mean, I guess he knows better, but his sister was allegedly kidnapped, kidnapped by him and died because of Rhaegar. But he wants nothing to do with harming children. Yes. So, I would say that Robert's character arc is more with that, and also in the idea of him with the guilt of everything that's happened, and just basically a broken man. Yeah. That's a better addition than the book. He's like the frat boy who never left college, in a way. But, Uh, but, it's more like, but it's sometimes like there's that trauma. I would say, actually, the book version fits more with the frat boy. I think the the show version is more of people say that about him, but the real Rob Raffian is a broken man who, who's just so broken by everything that's happened to him. I, I say the word broken a lot, but that's the idea I get with him. And how he kind of just is done. He doesn't want to be doing anything he's doing, and he doesn't care. It's almost like a mercy he dies. Yes. it I, It almost feels like that. He says, give me something for the pain and let me die. Not mercy for anyone else in the world, but mercy for him. But for me, the character arc for Robert Rathian is with the Targaryens in the sense that he wants them dead and he keeps pushing for their death. And then he's finally moved to mercy. On the last moments of his life, he thinks about showing mercy to the people he wanted dead above all else. That's one of his last thoughts. Yeah. So I think 
That's a very big change in his character. And also, he do- he gives Ned power. And he's on his deathbed, he thinks, like, that's one thing they'll say I did good, but it doesn't even happen. It makes everything worse. He he yeah. doesn't even get that. Yeah. And with Daenerys, she'll later burn everything to the ground, so he doesn't even get that either. But I'm going to say this. We say that, but it wasn't Robert... Like, as we said about Ned's mercy didn't kill Robert, it was other factors. Robert's mercy... I'm squishing the chair again, yeah. sorry. Robert's mercy isn't what caused Daenerys to burn the city to the ground. It was the fact that he sent assassins to kill her. Because that's what spurred Khal Drogo on that quest to go kill, to yeah. take over. So if Robert didn't send the assassin in the first place, it wouldn't have happened. Not not his, don't kill Daenerys. Because for all we know, Khal Drogo would never have wanted to actually go and attack Seven Kingdoms. But or yeah, but, or if yeah. he did, it would have been at a later point and he might have actually made it and done other things. That's very true, actually, yeah. So we can't really say that his mercy caused it. It's more his lack of mercy earlier caused it. Yeah. So what did we give him? Thumbs up. Better than the book, too. Thumbs up. Better than the book. Now, here's the character. The main character of season one. Ned Stark. Yes. I don't even know where to begin with him. All I can say is that I definitely think he gets a thumbs up. Thumbs up immediately. His character definitely comes full circle from the idea of showing mercy and and refusing to play the Game of Thrones and his own ignorance in the game. And just kind of between yeah. duty and family. Yeah. Not actually, not even ignorance of the game, but lack of wanting to play. He does not, it's not that he does that he doesn't understand the game, it's that he refuses to play their rules. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of characters say he didn't understand it. He understood it. He just didn't want to play with it. He yeah. was, he's of the North. He won't play with Southern politics. Yes. And that's what gets him killed. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's very much a, a family man. Yeah. Who, and all, who's kept, stayed away. And then by the end, he's embroiled in it all. The cause of everything. Yeah. And I also would say a major character arc is his, whether it's what's more important, his honor or mercy. Yeah. In the last few episodes, it's Ned Stark who say the honorable thing to do is put Stannis on the throne, but it's not the merciful thing to do. And yet he protests about showing mercy to other people when he does not preach what he teaches. Yeah. And then when it's finally his chance to do it for his children, he does just in time to die. Gives up his honor for the sake of showing mercy to his daughters. Yeah. And before that, he like he started a war and he knew he was going to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So Ned's very much like a character that people think of as the good guy who only knows good and does good. But we cannot forget that he was willing to let thousands die yes. for honor he, yeah. for what he thought was right. He's a good man for the time period. I would not yeah. call him a good man nowadays. Yeah, I'd call him like a war hog. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, I mean, maybe it's a little far and out there, but... It might be a little out there, but it also kind of makes sense because Ned did say war was preferable because Stannis was the rightful heir. Yeah. And it's very much like he had his own ambitions. He wanted like Stannis, like he, what he thought was right, he thought should rule the world. You know, that's what he thought should have been. Like what he thinks is right should be what is right mm-hmm. in the world. And he thought Stannis should be king. Whatever happens, happens because of that. And in the end, like you said, with seeing that his family, his life was in the line. I don't know if he saw the error of his ways, but he definitely saw like his family has to come first. Yeah. And of course he passed the test and he died. Yeah. His arc was done, so he had no more business living. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So we gave him a thumbs up. Absolutely. He is well done this season. Most of the characters were. No one, I think, oh, I think only one for me was down. I think Bran. Yeah, I I only had sides. (laughs) Yeah. So, and now before we move on, I wanted to talk about 
two things that I wanted to ask you. I've been thinking about this, and what character do you think was done the most dirty by the writers? So let me explain what that is in case you don't understand. This isn't in the sense of, oh, well, Ned Stark was beheaded because he did blah, 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 so therefore he was the most screwed over. No, I mean, which characters did the writers screw over in their writing? Like, for example, for me, it's Septimordain. Oh, so, justice for Septimordain. Yes, I've said that so many times by now. So, for Septimordain, in the book, she is a very minor character, but, she, but Sansa and her do clearly have a relationship. And when she dies, it is something that Sansa does clearly get upset with and does think about a lot. The show version, Septimordain, is treated cruelly by both Arya and Sansa for no reason. Sansa is so mean to her. Yeah. We remember that one scene where Sansa just sassing her. Like for like two minutes straight of it. Yeah. And then she is beheaded. And she does the noble thing too by saving Sansa. Of course, she would have probably been spared anyway. She might have actually lived had she been with Sansa. So she dies. And then, so since she died, I'm going to apply how her death impacts the story from here on out and how that was screwed over. And for that, we look no further than season five when Miranda... In Winterfell, talks to Sansa and asks where did she learn to make her dresses? And her immediate response, Sansa's response, that is, is, my mother. Excuse me, it was Septon Mordain who was all teaching you how to sew and embroider. So it seems as if Septon Mordain was the most screwed over in season one, considering that they're all those things. With that idea, who is it for you? I can't think of one besides Septon Mordain, to be honest. Most characters are handled pretty well this season. So I'm just going to follow you and say Septimordain. Yeah, I feel like Septimordain... I mean, I'm sure there's someone else who was screwed over, but I can't think of anyone who was screwed over more than Septimordain in this season. Maybe Garrod <laughs> from the prologue. Like, the fact that he died when he did and he should have lived to be the one beheaded, but no, honestly, it's not a big deal. It's not me. that big of a deal. Oh, you know, I got one. Waymar Royce. Waymar Royce. I'm going to say Waymar Royce, and the reason why... Well, Waymar Royce was the guy in the first scene that got he was the first to die yeah we talked about him in the opening scene part of this episode so he in this in the show he's just a douchey guy who just dies like a chump but in the books yeah he's douchey but he's also one who's willing to fight and he does he actually fights the white walker when they come out he draws his sword and says dance with me then yeah he goes out like a badass yeah so so yeah bad on D, way more royce deserves some justice for the yes. five minutes he was in. Septimore Dane and Waymore Royce were the worst done this season. But now my question is, who do you think was done the best by the writers? And I mean, who was done better the, by the writers than the author, George Martin himself? Viserys. Viserys? And we, I don't have to get into because we just talked about that. But no, 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 not at all. Viserys. And I'm going to actually go with Robert Baratheon. Because yeah. in the books, I don't like Robert Baratheon. In the show, I don't like him either. But I think he's much more interesting. Yeah, So for those, For the reasons we discussed... Robert Baratheon for me. Yeah, I w- yep, def- definitely those two characters are done the most better, and I would put I would say Theon too, but he'll probably get another chance later. Yes. So ultimately, what's your rating for the character development? Character development, I gave a nine out of ten, and I took off a point for like my half Calvin point and my half Bran point. Interesting. Yeah, I gave it actually a nine point five two. Well, nine. from the last one for me, which is the same score because of those reasons you said. Oh, oh so you only took half point off of yeah. a whole yeah. thumbs down? That's a good point. I'm going to leave it because... Yeah, you do you. That's what you feel worth, yeah. No, I'm going to give it a nine. 
Because I'm also adding in the screwing over of Septim Day and Waymar Royce. Because yeah. when there's a character screwed over, we cannot forget to it's include kind of, them. It's kind of a bad sign, though, because it does... I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'll go up before it goes down, but after... It like, does start going down. So if nines are... And season one's usually best at everything. So if it, this is like we're... If it's a ninth... <laughs> well, it's fine. No, because... A chance. I mean, they did screw characters off. Yeah. yeah over, they still, we can't off. ignore that. So with that, we are done with character development and we will move on to the very last section yeah. of our ratings aesthetic this last point is mainly about scenery costume design and music yes music and i'm just gonna start out right now music always gets a 10 out of 10 in my opinion yeah i would absolutely say music on its own 10 out of 10 but we're not just doing it on yeah music but i definitely say because like ramadish is like a genius with when it comes to music. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to say it. He is a master of music. There is no denying that. So, that was pretty quick, that part. Yeah, so gonna... music's done. Music's done. I mean, like, fire... I would say real quick, like, fire and blood. Like, the music with Daenerys's, like, you know, the dragon's hatching. Beautifully done. Ned's execution, the way the music was handled there, building on the stress. It's genius. Work. He did a phenomenal job. And we yeah. have to give him a 10 out of 10, but... Yeah, and one more point, too. The theme song. Yeah. The themes we have... I mean, I have to give that point, yeah, too. Yeah, actually, I'm going to go and add sub-points so we can acknowledge the fact that we did give him a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Or in the music. Yeah, is why... I mean, I'm, every season could be a 10 out of 10. I don't think there's any bad music. Yeah, but what about scenery? Scenery is pretty good. I, I'll say... It's... I can't really think of anything bad, can you? Well, the eerie, I don't like the look of. The eerie... Yeah, I am not a fan of the eerie. No, not... I, I would explain why, my, what my problem is. And I know the Moon Door is more popular in the show version, but I honestly just... Book, I not. love the book version better. I love the fact that it's just a doorway, as if you can walk out into a hallway. Yeah. And it's actually just air. Yeah. I love that better. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the eerie in the books is just more of a castle. This one felt more of just a tower. Yeah, I'm not... Mm, it's not really... And I think not like, a cup of tea. I feel like, like... Via stealth racket, specifically the horse gate, could be better. I feel like we're reaching there. I think. Well, I'm, just, I'm gonna be. I'm, I I can be a little nitpicky here. I think. So I mean, because usually it's so good. So I'm gonna like that doesn't really work too well for me. But other than that, it's pretty good. But the, the other thing that comes with aesthetic, mo- one of my favorite things about most dramas, historical dramas, movies, and all that stuff, costuming. What do you think? I think. It's not a 10 for me because I think in like, I, agree. I think the costume design gets better in, or at least the fashion design. I don't like calling historical stuff costumes, to be honest. All right, so fashion. The fashion of Westerosi, Westerosi fashion in this season. It's not as good as in the later seasons, even though even season seven and eight have really great fashion designs. Yeah. Although I will probably make some complaints there. I think there's some char- a character that we can agree to not have the best outfit in one episode yeah yeah but that being said in this season none of the fashion was bad it just i don't think it was on par with the later seasons it didn't wow me but i did like this though that every other every area had like distinct clothing what do you mean the lannisters have their distinct fashion the Vale has its distinct fashion the north has its distinct fashion you know what i'm saying like everywhere the dress like the dresses look different the the armor looks different like, That's I, true. It, it feels very different, and it feels like you can easily pinpoint where each, where each person comes from based on what they wear. And, like, certain characters, you can tell by what they wear. 
Like, for instance, Sansa starts, like, off with the northern fashion, and then she starts dressing like the southern fashion, showing that she's being influenced by this new I way. do like how fashion is used for character development. For yeah. example, Cersei, in the first few episodes, yeah. when she's at Winterfell, she dresses very magnificently, actually, from what I noticed. Yeah. But then, in when she's back at King's Landing before Robert dies, she dressed very... I don't want to say plainly, but it's not as good as later seasons. It doesn't make you think of a queen when you look at her. A queen is supposed to set the standard of fashion, so you you should be looking at the queen and be like, that's someone people follow. It's almost as if Robert's death left her able to be more, yeah. feel more free. Yeah, and I think it's how it worked, too. Yeah. yeah, But I still do want to take points off because mm-hmm. as queen, she really doesn't have the choice on to just dress drab. Yeah, it's good for like thematic purposes, but not realistic purposes. No yeah. queen would dress like that, ever. Yeah, as far as I'm aware. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I gave, so for the scenery, I gave it a nine out of ten. Okay. And for the costume design, or as I should say, fashion design, I gave it a nine point five. I don't know why we went through this rating each and every one because it's all going to be put together. Yeah. But I still just wanted to make it clear that on their own, what they scored before we make it one score on its own. Yeah. So, what did you give aesthetic? Aesthetic entirely? Yep. I gave it a 9.5. 9. Po- oh, wow. Okay. No, I gave it a 9. I'm really thinking about it because I do... I, did, I Originally, I didn't take points off for the Eerie, and now I did, so I took off another half point. Yeah. So, I gave scenery a 9, music a 10, and fashion an 8. And my overall score is an 8. Okay. I feel like... Yeah, I, that's how I feel. Like, it's not... It, it'll get better. They'll start definitely be saying that rises up. And I don't think it'll ever go lower than eight, personally. But I do have to take into account some things that we're lacking in. And I think also with the stakes, we can look at, like, the, the hunting scene. The hunting scene is definitely a... Like, for instance, I might give this. Influ- I might give this an 8.5. Yeah, I should have... I forgot to mention that. I, that would definitely influence my decision to make it that lower because... That is not the aesthetic of a hunt. That does not feel... I do not yeah, feel like I'm Yeah, it did not it. feel like I'm in Westeros there. Yeah. Or uh-huh. at least in that time period. Yeah. So, ultimately, my new score is yeah. 8.5. Yeah. And I, I mean, the show does pretty good for the most part, but, like, you don't get, like, that distinct Westeros feeling yet. But you... That will come. You know? And it's not bad, because you still... It's still... It's still very good. It's just... It will improve, and I'm judging it based off how well it improves. And that's it with aesthetic. That's all we have. Total scores. So now that we finished the review for the first season of Game of Thrones, we've off-screen tallied, tallied, totaled our scores for each category. So let's get into it. Okay, give me your score. So I actually think mine was pretty low. So do you? Yeah, I was pretty disappointed with the results. Okay, so give it to me. Opening. So I want to go over what my scores were. To the audience so we remind them. So opening and closing scenes I gave a 9 out of 10. Action I gave a 7 out of 10. Plot and direction a 9.5 out of 10. Character development a 9 out of 10. And aesthetic 8.5 out of 10. So I'm kind of assuming that people who are good at math have already figured out the score but I'm not that smart so I had to do the math in a calculator. Yep. I got a 43 and let me just say I'm so disappointed with that. I thought it was going to be much higher. I thought it was going to be late 40s, 50 maybe. Well, I knew it was going to be a 50 after the first score was a 9, but still. You thought yours was low? What do you mean? I'll add my... I'll show you what I got. My opening, I gave a 9 out of 10. 
Yes. Action, 5 out of 10. <gasps> oh, no. Plot and direction, 9.8 out of 10. Character development, 9 out of 10. Aesthetic, an 8 out of 10. Giving a grand score of 40.8. You I'm... thought yours was low? Mine's low. So, let me do some quick math and add that up. What was your score again? Uh, 43. 43. That can't, it's not going to be good. 40.8. Our grand score is 83.8. Season 1, our objective view is that. So, the, so that's a, that's a B minus. Yeah. We gave season so, one a B minus. I didn't think that was possible. I'm gonna go with the actual score being a 95. Yes, we're gonna go with our score of 95. That's our that our subjective view is much better than this other review. That's an A. That's not even an A plus though. I don't think there's such a thing as A plus. At least in my college, A not. plus is anything above a is a 96. For me, in my book, a 96 up is an A plus. So it didn't even get that. <laughs> no. So I think it's gonna get better. Is it? I'm, it's definitely gonna get better because I'm thinking action is specifically where I think I faltered. If I did, if I gave it higher score, the score, the overall score, would be a lot higher. So that improves, but that character development does not. Character development, it, but in season two, three, and four, I think those things do fine. I think there's a chance we'll get a higher score in season one. I'm actually kind of shocked. So, in the objective viewpoint, season one is not the best season. Nope. But yet it is. Yeah, I mean, in my view, it's my favorite season, but objectively, I guess it's not the best season in terms of what we ranked it out of. Maybe we and, made I mean, a mistake. I'll say it's, it's scored in the right areas, though. Plot and character development, that's where you'd want to get high scores. Actually, I gave that... Oh, no, I gave that a... Yeah, no, I gave that a 9 out of 10. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> good. So, still... I'm actually very intrigued to get into these next seasons now. Me too, because I thought that it was going to be easier... A slow downgrade. Yeah. I know I came out all optimistic. Like, season eight's not that bad. But I think... I feel like I haven't fully convinced myself of that, actually. But maybe... Yeah. Maybe... It's in the be more bumpy. May, no, maybe the objective viewpoint, it'll be totally a shock to us. Yeah. This was... I'm actually very... I'm, like, really excited because this is going to be, like... It's going to be different than what I thought. I, I really thought... I thought, like, you, I thought it would be a downward spiral. Mm. It's going to be, like... We're I, can't, gonna, I can't wait to get into season two now. Yeah, I can't wait. It's this is good. It's good. I didn't realize this could be a very interesting review for the next like eight seasons of the show. Conclusion. Speaking of season two, we're not gonna get there for a while. Yeah, I know. So, Which ironic because we're. I'm actually really excited to get into it. But there's something else that I'm more excited to get into actually. Yeah. So this actually, we're gonna give the direction of where our show's going now that we finished season one. So what we're doing now is all things House of the Dragon because now. After, so, in two weeks' time, they're going to have their Comic-Con, and we believe they're going to release their trailer. So, our next episode, we'll be reviewing that trailer. And the week after that, we'll give... The, well, the next podcast, after that, two weeks after that, we'll give an overview of House of the Dragon, like, what you need to know, all the yeah. important things. The background... We'll actually get that family tree that we said we are going to get done. Yeah. We'll get that done. Yep. And then, after that, we'll be doing weekly podcasts where we review every episode of House yeah, of the Dragon. Yeah, so we're going to go weekly for the House of the Dragon. First season. Yeah, and we'll probably be doing the Lord of the Rings show too, if we feel it. If we feel it. I don't really have any intention of watching it. Yeah. But maybe you can just tell we me may what happens. Also, we may also have a future episode coming up reviewing that trailer when that happens. Yeah, did you see the new teaser trailer? That was crap. 
We won't talk about that now. This is we're gonna we're gonna talk. All about- I'm gonna say is that Meteor Man. If if you know what who I'm talking about, you know Meteor Man is my least favorite thing about the show, and that include that actually you know it does not include the Hobbits or the condensed timeline. Yeah. So this is where we. Yeah, this is it. So everything's House of Dragon right now, and I'm super excited for it. So we'll be back in two weeks' time. Please like and rate our podcast. It really does help against the algorithm. You can find us on Instagram at back underscore into underscore thrones. And that's it. We'll be back in two weeks. Yes. Bye. Bye.